This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. You too, brother. We're going to get started here in just a moment. I want to remind everybody if we can serve you in any way with our resources, go to practicalshepherding.com and you can access all of our content there, including over 100 episodes now of, of podcasts that we have done together for the last several years as we keep plugging away on this. Also, thank you for the kind reviews many of you have left on iTunes, and we're grateful for that. We're encouraged by it. We're also helped to just continue to grow and to know how to improve the podcast through that. So if you haven't given us a review on iTunes, would you please go in and do that and let us know how we can help and how we can continue to grow in, in doing this. Jim, we're we're in some strange times, as we all know, and what we want to cover today is a question. Actually, we, we got a bunch of questions, too many that we actually can respond to uh, in these next several episodes, but we want to be able to try to respond to some of the questions that have been asked and the ones that seem to be repeatedly asked. Mm-hmm. This one's one of them, isn't it? It's, it's a, a question about what does ministry look like post-COVID? What are some of the things that uh, we obviously know we're in the middle of it. We're not post it yet. However, I think we're be- we all know we're beginning to move into this section of, one, this isn't going away anytime soon. So how do we begin to continue to do ministry knowing this is going to be around for a good, I mean, I, I know we need to figure for a year, two, maybe, mm-hmm. um, if not more, we just don't know. So we have to figure out how to do ministry. So the questions coming in are, are in a sense, what's the new normal look like and how do we do ministry around this? And this has shown up from churches not opening at all. They just were on their last leg and closed. There's churches who have proclaimed they're not meeting again 2021. And then we have, you know, John MacArthur and other examples that are just totally defying uh, what is what is being asked by the, the governor because they feel like this is their biblical right and mandate to meet and gather for worship just like normal, like nothing else, like nothing is going on. So we, we have this incredible scale of things we're looking at. So Jim, as we talk about this, first set it up for us biblically. How do we want to start thinking through this? How do we want to help pastors think through what to do in this po- as we move to this new norm with COVID? Brian, in some ways, this gets down to a sufficiency of Scripture question, and what, what do we mean by that? Because you know we say all Scripture is given by inspiration, and it is profitable for, uh, for doctrine, correction, for instruction in righteousness, etc., that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Mm-hmm. And so we say, yes, the Bible is going to lead us, and it's going to guide us, and it's going to direct us. However, there are times in culture where certain things are going to affect the life of the church. It's going to disturb the regular course of ministry, and you, and then you want to be like the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times. Oh, and yes. They, and they knew what Israel ought to do. And we would we want to have men like that. And the problem, of course, that we're dealing with is that there are so many voices, there's so many folks telling us where to go. So we're kind of in, Brian, I think we're in a kind of a middle phase right now. So we had our pre-COVID life, hunky-dory, everything, the machine was going. COVID hit, and even Pastor MacArthur said, you know, we need, this is a time of public health crisis, and and you listen to the governing authorities and Romans 13 and, and, and all of the rest. And then data started coming in, and, and this is, of course, where we are right now. And even from the beginning, there was some of that. But the longer it goes on, the more there's questions. Is this really as dangerous? Do we really need to take this level of precaution? Do we really need to yeah. be away from each other? And, and so 
as things have opened up, and in most places, in many places, churches are have been meeting and are meeting. Some of them are, are, are utilizing a variety of things. They're meeting, whether they're meeting inside or outside. Right, yep. Whether they've altered. So I think what we need to ask is uh, several questions. One of them is, ought, ought we to be meeting regardless of certain edicts? Mm-hmm. Ought we to be meeting? The second is, what right does anybody have to tell us what goes on when we're meeting? And, mm-hmm. and I want to I want to consider that in regard to the essentials of worship, right? And then what we might call the circumstances of worship. That's old old language. I want to explain okay. what what we mean by that. Yeah. And then, Brian, you know, really the question is post COVID. Well, uh, you know, hopefully by then. You, we're well. There's not going to be any restrictions. There's not going to be anything. But we might be looking at and saying, "All right, has anything happened over this time to make us reevaluate what was biblical, what was essential, and what was traditional, and ultimately can be either kept or thrown away because not all traditions are bad. Some are some are helpful. Uh, you know. So I think those are the questions we really want to deal with. So I think the first thing is to ask uh, what is what do we have to do as a church right and in what way might we alter again what I'm going to call the the circumstances of worship versus the essence of worship yeah okay so yeah and, and so let's start with the what let's kind of just go down the line what what let's kind of go back and forth. What's something you would put in essential category? I'll start and say what one thing that's essential, Hebrews ten twenty five, is to not forsake the gathering. That we're to gather in person. Virtually gathering does not count in the same sense that I believe that we're supposed to gather in person in some way. Yeah, and we want to be careful with that. I mean, I realize I agree with you. I do, I do agree with that. I I, I recognize not everybody is in a position right now where they 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 believe they can they they desperately want to do that and I, I both of us had you know we had weeks I had we had 8 weeks that we did we, we did do, we look, that we worshiped uh, you know did we are we preached we had online preaching yeah. bible reading and singing well let me, let me preface that what i said i mean yeah i i totally con- concede I, we both of us did it that under certain circumstances we didn't meet, right? And I think that was totally okay. I'm talking about, but what's essential ultimately? Yes, yes, it is essential that the church meet. That's what we're talking. So yes. that's what I'm. That's what yeah. I was referring it's, to. Because you're not a church. What is it? What is the? What does the word even mean? It is a called out well, assembly. And it I bring, is, I bring it that is up. an assembly. I bring it that up now because because we're talking about this. What is kind of this middle, maybe post moving to post COVID world look like? And that's why I want to acknowledge that. As, the long-term plan of every church needs to be to gather regularly in person. Yes, and and Brian, do you, would you not, as this has gone on, would you, if anybody called you and said, "Hey, we haven't met since March," do you think we should start meeting? What would what would be your? I would I would say I would advise every church because every I'm. I'm going to do what what I ultimately have, have criticized some others who've made just blanket statements about it and say, every church is different. Every situation's different. Uh, but I would say, if, if somebody contacted me and asked that, I would say, try to meet in person as soon as you can. 
Yeah, I would say find a way to meet. Yeah. And again, so this gets down to the circumstances and the essence. Right. So part of the essence is is gathering, whether you gather indoors or out of doors. Right. Uh, whether you gather at your previous property or somebody in the church a has park a farm somewhere, yeah. you, or, yeah. or, or at a park somewhere or that you erect a tent, even though you spent a million dollars on your sanctuary. If you're not comfortable there or if you're not comfortable in defiance, and we and we know in some places, some pastors are being sued, churches are being sued. Right. There was an, a, a, a brother I saw online talking about that, and the, whether it was it was in the thousands of dollars for every time that they met. Yeah. Not everybody can absorb that, and, right. and you're going to ask, and I mean, obviously people are, am I going to go to jail over this, and what will happen if I... There are things we're going to say. Listen, we're willing to go to jail over. Right. If this costs us our, but, but is this you know what's the hill to die on? So what what are the other essentials then, Jim? All right. So essentials. So God has commanded us certain things. I think that we are to do. So to sing. Sing. Yep. So some have said uh, singing is the most dangerous thing you can do. I saw that. I saw that as a headline. I would seen that months ago. And then I just saw it again. Nothing's nothing's more dangerous than than singing, you know. So I was like, oh, okay. But we are commanded if we gather, we are commanded to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I'm not gonna. Uh, there there are where, wherever you come down on regulated worship or normative worship. Yeah, I don't know anybody who would say that the singing of God's praises is non-essential. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it is essential now. Because of so, when you deal with with essential versus circumstantial, circumstantial might be how many songs you sing, right? And it might include when you sing them, where whether you wear a mask or not, or whether or not. Yes, so I would say that, and and this is where I want to make it abundantly clear: I, I I am not somebody who is thoroughly convinced by the arguments of wearing a mask. However, wearing a mask does not prevent has not prevented me from singing God's praises. It's it's not right prevented me from doing other things that are, that are essential to getting food or, or or being in certain places where to go in there to do it. It's okay. I'm I'm willing to do that's a trade off. I'm willing to make and and if it will and could possibly be helpful and healthful then. It's an inconvenience to me. It's more on the level of inconvenience. But to say that, well, if I wear a mask, I can't sing. I I, I don't think that that's a logical. No, I agree argument. with you. Uh, to, to me, it's not. I under, I understand it's not as easy. I understand it's not as enjoyable. Yeah, but it's not the preference, it, it, it's right? It's not going to stop God from hearing or receiving your praises or you from uttering your praises. Yeah. Now, again, somebody might have a medical condition and they say it does, to which I would say then unmask yeah. and sing. Yeah. So, but, but that's an important point to bring up because it's important to draw these distinctions that we're talking about, yeah. whether it's essential or what what is circumstantial, because those things get, those things get bled together in, they, in an unhelpful do. way. So, for instance. 
So it's essential that we gather how close I am to my neighbor when we right. gather. Whether is we're circumstantial. In, whether we're inside or outside, circumstantial. Right, it, right. that's circumstantial. And yep. some have made that kind of a thing. Right. Uh, they've made that essential. Right. No, we can't. Or, you know, the unveiled faces argument, that, that's, that, that is a horrible eisegetical argument. Yeah. That has nothing to do with what, you know, the, the we all with unveiled faces. So, you know, uh, that's, uh, yeah, sure, that's a nice text to try to use to say the Bible says we can't, or that we shouldn't. Um, but, you know, so uh, w- that we have some, our, 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 our chairs spread out, mm-hmm. uh, that, that has not prevented us from gathering. Mm-hmm. It, it's, so we gather... And it spread out more than so we don't have as many chairs as we had in the sanctuary a, a, as before, hmm. but it hasn't stopped us. So again, I think essential that the church meet. Circumstantial if we spread out, if we wear a mask, the, yep. the, the, that doesn't prevent us. Uh, Brian, the Lord's Supper. Some governors have said if you're going to meet as a church, please don't sing, please don't have the Lord's Supper. Right. And in following the strictest guidelines as to why you might not sing about spreading particles and then air ventilation. So we, we've, we've made some circumstantial concessions. We have the doors open. We have, we have the windows open. You've done more than we, we have, by the we, way. <laughs> we sing at the end of the service yeah, yeah. Uh, it, rather than at the beginning. And so if it's stuff spread in the air and how... If there's any truth to any of that, and I'm not taking a position to say it's really true or no way it's true. Yeah, it's we're not scientists, neither one of us. I, yeah, I, I am not. Yeah. So, And I have read, as I said to somebody recently, I've read enough to say there's something to it and read enough to say there's nothing to it. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be ample evidence on, on both sides. But we're going to sing. And, and there's... When we sang, if we used to sing four and now you sing uh, two or you sing three, that's circumstantial. Uh, I, I think that's circumstantial. I, well, I go, but let's go back to the Lord's Supper because we did the Lord's Supper this past week. Mm-hmm. We have a baptism scheduled this Sunday, so we. Uh, I think the ordinances are required um, in, in, in as essential in worship. How you do them can be circumstantial. So, so what we basically decided both on Lord's Supper and baptism is. You know, like the person who, the pastor who's baptizing the person wears a mask, okay. you know, and, but that's what we, how we've done baptisms. We have changed the way we do the Lord's Supper in that deacons are distributing the elements and they're the only ones touching them. They're wearing gloves, wearing masks, but we're doing the Lord's Supper. So mm. I, I think the, the way that I have tried to find this balance that I actually have encouraged a lot of other pastors, what we're doing, establish what's essential, then Figure out how to do it in the most safe and responsible way, based on the guidelines we've been given. But for them, but for them to say you can't do this and you can't do that, I think is crossing the line in a, in a very dangerous way. I agree, and I think that the the government does not have the right to tell us how to worship. Right. That's the da- that, that's, that's the, the that's, dangerous place. This, this, I get nervous about this when, and I, by the way, I'll say when we were trying to just gather again, and our governor who's still was strict and continues to be very strict about these things, asked us to not sing. The amount of hours our elders t- had conversations about whether we sing or we don't sing, and I was so troubled by it because I'm thinking to myself, 
why are we having this conversation right. ultimately other than figuring out how to do it safely, not the question on whether we do it or not. Exactly. And right. that actually took up a ton of our time. Right. And I, I that's one regret I have as I look back. So, you know, that conversation should not, should have, not have gone have on as long. Right. But we're all learning through this, right? So, right, exactly. Okay, Jim, so another essential, the reading, the public reading of Scripture. Sure, right, right. right. So, okay. right. so public reading, so prayers. Prayers, yep. The, the praise of God through song. Uh, and the reading of God's word, and the preaching of God's word. Now, I think those are things, and, and as you said, and and the ordinances or the sacraments. Obviously, some places and there are there are churches, and I've been drawn to this in the past. Although, I've, it, 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 to do something like a common cup, a common loaf, and a common cup. Well, in England, we both participated. Yeah, we both in participated that. Yeah, in, in that at a church that we visited that we were there for. I think they've probably ch- – I haven't asked them. I think they've changed that. And what you don't want to do is to have so much attention focused on how you're doing, say, the Lord's Supper. So, for that, right, you know, gluten, you know, that kind of thing. A few years ago, now it's kind of like, oh, no, you need to have gluten-free bread that somebody's going to be – or somebody's like keto diet. And it comes to take the Lord's Supper, and they're like, oh, no, there's carbs. <laughs> and that's a thought you ought not to have. Yeah. You're not ought not to be thinking, "Oh, please forgive me, my carbon take." No, you should be focusing on Christ and Him crucified and the body and the blood of Christ. Right? That's not right. not who's touched this. But we're at a point right now where that's going to be in somebody's mind. Right? Who's and touched so this? Right. what we've done is we do have people that do it ahead of time, and we use like those one-and-a-half-ounce containers that you might get at a restaurant that might have salad dressing or yeah. ketchup in it with a lid. Yeah. And so we put the wine and the bread out, and then the, we also have, because they sell these, like these juice pack-type things, where that, so we, we, we use both wine and juice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so th- that's already out there, and then people come forward and they take it. And they take uh, usually a representative of the family will come up and take enough for themselves and for their family, and then they can open that pack, and it's yeah, it's somewhat sterile. And, and I I think that that has worked for us. That we are, it's not so. We told people ahead of time, showed people ahead of time what we were going to do, so it wouldn't be so jarring, so, and so- that we could focus on what's essential in taking it. Right, because that's and, the circumstantial and, stuff around it, how you just, do it. Right now, you're going to have people that if you if you pass the bread, if you broke off some of the bread and passed it to them and they broke off some of the bread, they're not going to be able to partake. And you can tell them all day long, don't think about this, don't think about that. You, but Which is why I think this is a legitimate conversation you know, to have. Right. I think it's... Because you're, you're asking, is it essential that I rip and tear and pass to you? Yeah. Is that of the essence, or is it take, eat, so this is, is of the essence? This is a good time to shift to the other idea we want to talk about, and that's, you know, what what are the things that we have for forced to stop, but now we need to evaluate their value on whether we bring them back or not, and, mm-hmm. and talk. So let's take a minute. And the reason I want to I want to pivot to this point, um, based on what we're talking about, is how you do the Lord's Supper can be a tradition that uh, actually gets shook up a bit in, mm-hmm. in all of this, right? right because right. It it's doing different. the Lord's Supper that is essential, not the way we do it. And of course, there's all kinds of different ways to do it. We just described that. Well, 
I, I would argue, because all kinds of churches do it different ways, I don't think there's one right way to do that. Right. And we have to recognize that tradition really gets embedded in these things. So as, and that's really the essence, I think, a lot of what was being asked of us, Jim, when there are people writing in and asking this question, how do we think through the next six months, the next 12 months of ministry and church life? So let's let's start with kind of one of the obvious, like, do we start Sunday school again? You know, there's a lot of churches that... You know, it's just just trying to figure out how to gather, whether inside, right, outside, right. for the church service. That's us. We still we have no childcare, we have no Sunday school, we have no more small groups that have been meeting in the ways that we had in the past. Okay. So, the and the essence of this question: how do we how do we help pastors think about how to plan for the next six months when it comes to evaluating the different things that were maybe traditional a tradition in the church, but not fruitful in the church. I, I put, and we as elders have put something like Sunday school as a, a profitable tradition. It, it's not, I, I, I would have a hard time necessarily giving a biblical argument, a, an exegetical argument as to why it is essential. Right. I could, I could make an exegetical argument as to why it's, it is profitable. Again, I think I would call it a profitable tradition, not, but it's not necessary. And the way that we had done that in the past and, and what it, it then looks like to pivot out of Sunday school and, and, a, and, a, and an open time. I, I do, brother, Brian, I do long for the day. And this is, you know, so there's going to come at some point, however long, weeks, months, years, year, a years, where I hope there's, a, there's stadiums with 100,000 people at them again. I, I, I hope that people are going to concerts again and that I hope that's not a thing of the past. Right. I just had a grandbaby uh, a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, and I want to think, is the world she, gonna gr- is the world she grows up in going to be so incredibly radically different that as she watches a documentary or movie and there's a – a concert at Wembley Stadium with a hundred thousand people. That she's gonna think, oh no, how did they not all get sick? That that's not part of her trained thinking. Which, by the way, I have to acknowledge that's happening to me. Like I'll be watching a movie, and there'll be a big crowd in New York City, and for a moment I'll think, man, nobody's wearing nobody's wearing masks. Nobody's so wearing like, a mask. And then it's yeah, like, just... oh yeah, one, this isn't real. And two is a movie twenty years ago, you know. Anyway, or, or a year ago. I, but I just find myself or six months ago. It, it just right. shows how programmed we're getting with this. Go right, ahead. it is right. So, you, so you, we, we would have an hour of Sunday school, adult classes, the various children's classes, and then we would have snacks set up in the fellowship hall, and people would come in and get coffee, and, and uh, there would be everybody reaching into these tubs with muffins and hard boiled eggs. By the way, and, people can make an essential argument for that, but get, anyways, go ahead. Yeah, it depends. I think you really have to get down to which muffin, but <laughs> it's true. They're, they're, yeah, anyway, no, but you know, but I, I can remember all those little hands, and you know, coming <laughs> right, in and right. looking at an egg and putting it back. I mean, a peeled hard boiled <laughs> egg and putting yeah, it back, true. and then you know, wiping your nose and grabbing something this else. That's why the pastor goes last. Yeah, just kind of. <laughs> no, it's why I never ate any of this. I I never did. I never took any of this. I uh, uh, for a variety of reasons, but uh, you, but you're is that ever going to go back? I don't. Right. I don't know that I ever. It was always a petri dish, <laughs> right? Uh, it already but, was. But I do want to get back to fellowship meals, and so we had a picnic uh, a week ago. We had we 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 did a worship service outdoors. Now for me, when we do outdoors, 
Nobody. I, Game no on, mask, right? Yeah, nothing. nothing. I mean, to me, you're outdoors. Uh, and I, I agree. realize somebody may be saying, oh, Jim, certainly you know by the, you know, the Calvin and Hobbes report of, you know, that this is, uh, you can't That's do right. that. But we, we've done that, and, and we, we, we have a normal, regular, unaltered order of service. And then we picnic together afterward. Yeah. And yeah. so people, we, we, we're, we have six acres of property, so people were able to do that, and it was it's great. Yeah. Uh, I love yeah. that. We're going to be hosting a conference at, uh, the last day of October at our church. And we're, what if it's not a nice day? What if it's a rainy, cold day and we need to feed 200 people? Right. Ideally, it's going to be 65 degrees and we can, yeah. we can, we can get our meals and, and hang out or some in, some out, but nobody's going to have to feel the pressure of, uh, of the crowd, so you know, but you know, small those, those kinds of group things. When is that? How is that going to change? Uh, meeting together, fellowshipping together. Brian, uh, handshakes, hugs that used to be that were so readily a part of you know, and now we're doing you know, holy fist bumps or elbow touches or. So full disclosure, I am there. There are people I've got you know I know our folks, and so this has gone on long enough that. I know the people who still want to, a hug from me. Mm-hmm. I got old ladies that, that are coming to church and want hugs from me regardless. So I make sure I'm wearing a mask if I engage people like that. Okay. But but I but I haven't, you know, if I know that's the case, again, this is based on my relationship with them, but I don't ever, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm keeping a distance until I know exactly where someone is when it comes to that. That's actually part of knowing your flock, and that's a good, that's a good right. thing to be able to know. But, um, yeah, so there's... There's that side of it with Sunday school and some of the other programs. Maybe Mark Clifton has has been saying throughout this, you know, as as one as a revitalization guy, and, and he and I work together in this, these things. Is that one of the biggest challenges for pastors who go into church revitalization is how do you kill the things that need to die as far mm-hmm. as the programs and the things that aren't fruitful and helpful, but they're totally wrapped up in tradition. And I inherited that. Every guy goes into revitalization inherits that. And I, and I just want to acknowledge that this is actually, and man, Mark said this a ton, this is the time to take advantage of that. Like, don't go back. Don't try to go back to everything that was normal. This is the time potentially to let the things that needed to die, just let them let them die and slowly bring the things back in that clearly the, the church acknowledges as fruitful. Sunday school, for us, Jim, I would argue it's less significant for you than it is for us because you guys meet on Sunday evening. So you, there's two ministries of the word happening. Right. We don't meet on every Sunday evening. We we did some, but we don't meet every Sunday evening. We, and we don't meet on Sunday evening at all since this happened. So Sunday school for us might be evaluated differently because it's another ministry of the word that, that we don't have right now. But this is, I agree with you, this is the way to kind of evaluate and, and think about these things. This last, Let's tackle this as the last thing. And that is, um, I think one of the things to talk about as far as a pivot, an adjustment, how to do ministry in the next six to 12 months. Think creatively about how to do ministry that is fruitful in your church in smaller groups. Um, because that's, I mean, that's the essence of the or, of, of the edicts we're getting, right? But um, with the churches, and again, this is where being a really big church is incredibly challenging in all kinds of ways. I'm, I'm sympathetic, and at the same time, um, to take advantage of of doing ministry in smaller groups somehow. So our church didn't have like a small groups ministry like is typical in a church, you know, where like every member's a 
in a small group here right. and there. We actually are having these conversations in a way we hadn't before. Right. Because we realize long-term wise, again, we're talking 6, 12, 24 months. How do we do ministry? What may be in in gathering the church together in smaller groups as a whole throughout the week to then have the one main gathering. Um, that's something that's that's an adjustment for us, but it's what we're doing to try to to try to think through the the future, assuming this isn't going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Jim, what's something maybe you all are doing in, in a similar way to to make an adjustment from what you have been doing, but realizing everything just can't stay on hold for for two years, waiting for this thing to to fade away. We haven't had as much of that, Brian. We had had a. We had altered a few things at the beginning, and then as as time went on, you know, we were just you're responding to what the the initial information was so terrifying. I mean, we were and we responded as though there were going to be eighty thousand deaths in Kentucky. That that's what they based their initial right. And we haven't changed, and we haven't altered. In fact, we've gotten stricter in certain in certain yeah. things. That's, and that's a good point. And, and, that's a good and point. so you're you're trying to to go from the realm. You don't want to be a a renegade there's enough in the scriptures that talk about repeatedly about submission to those in authority you know, in authority and that ought to be our our more default unless again things are stated that are contrary to the word and will of god and and you need to be clear and careful on, on what those things are so we haven't had as much of that uh you know we we had we had done our prayer meetings, which we'd always done in-person prayer meetings, and we had done those with Zoom until fair, until recent. In fact, actually, last Wednesday was our first time gathering together, yeah. and now we're doing that as a hybrid. So we have a screen, and, and people that are, are calling in through Zoom can participate in the prayer meeting, and we're trying that out. So that that's something that's, yeah. that is different. One thing I noticed, Brian, in, in light of this, and it might even be this is a good overflow of the eight weeks that we were really not together and people were so isolated is after service people it, people were there two hours yeah. after service standing outside standing talking, outside yeah. talking yeah. i mean yeah. a good number of folks for two hours the other same things sun, happening sun, at our, you know, the we, same we, things they're happening just to so yeah. much wanting to be together which is a, which and, is and good and so facilitating that in some way or other i think we you know so right now we're able to do that the next question we're going to have to ask what are we going to do now that it's about to get cold and right. wet Right. And it's easy right now because we've said let's let's carry our conversation on after worship. Let's go outside. So that's been something that's been different, rather than everybody just hanging around and sitting together. You know, we're trying to say, all right, let's. And maybe again, we need to rethink that. That this is how do you decide a pro? Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm being yeah. told by some doctors and scientists you should do it this way. Others now are saying it's not nearly as concerning as we initially thought and then how do you respond to that these are really yeah. really difficult things so, to as a pastor to, to work through so here's my my final word on this and that's well so my uncle uh died of covid over the weekend mm. so uh, i try to tell people uh, uh you will not convince me this is just a total farce right um but i do th- i'm with you i do think we're starting to see a level of over trying to be overly cautious so much that we and we did and we knew what we knew at the time and that's and I don't fault them for that but I'm with you it's I I feel a sense it's time to try to figure out how to 
kind of bring it back a little bit and figure out what the long-term, you know, what this looks like long-term ministry, which is really what people are, are asking. Here's, here's my final word on this for pastors trying to figure out how to do ministry in this. Is find the balance. Every church is different. Every peop, every group of people in the church has different convictions and fears around this, and that's part of you knowing them and pastoring them. Exactly. So right. again, for someone to stand up and just say, "We're doing this," and every church that doesn't do what we're doing, you're in sin or what disobedience right. or whatever. Right. That's incredibly unhelpful. And it so is. I want to acknowledge that your church. That's why you're the shepherd of that congregation. Exactly. So be wise. Uh, don't make decisions out of fear, but be cautious, be mindful of where your people are. Because what I'm finding is uh, this has been become so, such a, conta- con- uh, a contentious thing in the church that churches are at risk of fracturing mm-hmm. over the disagreement. Mm-hmm. So what does ministry look like in the next 6, 12 months? It's going to require careful and wise discerning shepherding of your individual people of where they are and and where they are on these issues and to try to remind people to love one another and honor each other's conscience and try to bring people to as much peace around these things as possible. I mean, we're, we're two months from an election, right? I mean, that, that, that just adds to this, this, the hysteria so much around the, the disagreement. So that would be my desire. How I want to ask you to pray for pastors is that they have discernment, not only in how to make these decisions, but they just pastor well in keeping the peace and the unity of the church. Will you take a minute and pray yeah. that way? Our Father, we thank you for our high and holy calling, and, and you have called us to shepherd the flock that's among us. And Father, exercise that oversight. And Lord, we just pray that every everyone who's listening to this, who is involved in ministry, would be given grace and help uh, to stand before you uh, with a good conscience to focus on the eternal, to focus on the lasting. Father, to not shepherd out of fear, uh, but to shepherd out of love and to shepherd with a confidence of your watch care of that one who is the chief shepherd who loves the flock more than we do. And we give you our, our prayers and offer our petitions in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.